25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hole. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Football. Yeah, football. Right around the corner. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Matt. Hour number two of the show just began. Did you notice that? Beaver's here. That's really important. And even more important than me or him, you. We appreciate you being here. Thanks for tuning in. However you're listening and wherever you're listening from. I'm glad to have you here on the show for hour two on this happy Happy hump day. Come on. All right. Happy hump day. You can be a part of the show here in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau insurance. Go with the home team. Text me on the Country Pleasing text line 885-ESPN. Country Pleasing sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the Southeast. Look, Country Pleasing is the best sausage you will have ever had, and I guarantee it. Walk up in the grocery store, anywhere in the Southeast, say Country Pleasing, please. Put some in the buggy. You'll be glad you did. Or if you're in the area, go by the, um, uh, the butcher shop. Right there on Highway 49 in Florence, where Country Pleasing Sausage is made at Country Meat Packers. Tell them I said, hey, text me at 885-ESPN. That's the text number, 885-ESPN. You can call us and be like Chicken Hawk. Everybody can hear your voice. I'd love to hear your voice today. It's 995-1059. Got it? Write it down. That's the... Divinity Equipment phone line, 995-1059. It's a 601 number. Norman texts me earlier. He says, Matt, do you think Major League Baseball does not realize how damaging it will be for them to not work out, work this out and play? In my eyes, Major League Baseball was already struggling to fully recover from the past and the steroid stuff and most recent, the cheating scandal. It just seems dumb for them to not pull out all the stops and get this done. Norman, I totally agree. Thanks for your text and the country pleasing text line. I love baseball. I always have since day one. Still do. It's not like I'm ever going to not love it. But I am worried about it. And I'm worried about Major League Baseball. You know, it's been trending down. The NFL is king. The, the sports news and kind of the topics and the conversation during this coronavirus pandemic and the shutdown and the quarantine only proves that theory even more how baseball has moved itself farther and farther to the edge of the radar 
It's nowhere near the bullseye anymore. Clay Travis, I don't quote him a lot on this show, but Clay tweeted something that's very true yesterday. He tweeted, Major League Baseball looks utterly incompetent right now. With 40 million unemployed across the country, if millionaires and billionaires can't get this season worked out, millions of fans won't ever come back. It will be like 1994 on steroids. And yeah, I'm sure that was an intended pun in there. Uh, I retweeted it with the commentary. It's absolutely true. If they swallowed pride and came back to TV first ahead of other sports, it could be huge for the future of the league. But keep this up, and it'll be so damaging you won't believe it. And that's where they are. Norman, if Major League Baseball keeps up this dispute during this time, the tone deafness of the whole situation, it could start, well, what would be the right word? It wouldn't be driving nails in the coffin, but it will absolutely put to rest any idea that Major League Baseball in any way will any time in our lifetime gain any ground on the NFL or the NBA. And I have not been a huge NBA watcher in like 20 years. I was spoiled by growing up in the Jordan Magic Bird era. And so since then, nothing like it, and it's just not as good. And so I was spoiled by all that. And I have not been a big NBA watcher over the last 20 years. I promise you this. If they start playing NBA games and it's on my TV anytime soon, I will be watching. And I will become a fan again almost out of appreciation and respect for the fact that they figured out a way that we need it <laughs> and get going. And baseball, apparently, at least as it stands right now, and they're the season that's supposed to be going on. I, it's just it's incredible, uh, incredible to me that this entire time, the NFL in its normal offseason is just dominating Major League Baseball in what is supposed to be the middle of the Major League season. A couple of other texts, then we're going to get to the John Cohen interview. Uh, Coach O uses the English language differently now. It must be an LSU thing. <laughs> Thanks for the text. Uh, Flowtown Ghost said, um, Mike Leach is a lot smarter than Les. Yeah, maybe he is. Tony Joe, I'm ready for some football also. Well, as we know, fans across the country, uh, we're going to get a taste of football over the next couple of weeks. Um, got some stories out there. I'll give you more details on it. But I talked with John Cohen yesterday on a Zoom conversation. Now, this was not done on radio, so it won't sound like a radio interview, but we talked via Zoom and recorded it. And there's some information in here that I think you're going to find interesting about new protocols beginning next week when athletes are coming onto campus, what they're going to go through in some respects, getting ready to start these voluntary workouts. Here is that interview. June the 8th, that being the day we've talked about since the vote last week, and that Monday, is that the, the hard day, due date, athletes will be back and doing stuff and lifting weights on that Monday? Yeah, Matt, we, uh, we, we are very uh, optimistic that we will have uh, student-athletes uh, voluntarily, as you stated, uh, uh, doing conditioning and strength, strength workouts on campus. 
uh, in our weight rooms and in our facilities. I know the kids are, are dying to get back. Um, the week of June the 1st, we will start testing those kids as they come in. Uh, our new players have to go through a battery of physicals. Uh, our returning players, uh, a little bit less so, but again, will be tested uh, in a variety of ways. And uh, I know those kids are really looking forward to get back on campus. Yeah, and I guess that was kind of my question on that is I, I know that in order for them to come back, there's got to be these testing procedures kind of already in place waiting on them, right, for like when they show back up. So it, were you as a department kind of sitting on you're ready to do that or are you looking at the next two weeks you're getting ready to do that? Yeah, we've been working on this. Mary McClendon, uh, one of our associate executive associate uh, athletic directors, does a phenomenal job with our uh, strength and conditioning. I'm, our, our sports medicine and strength and conditioning. And mm. she's, she's been terrific. We've been preparing for this for a long time. And, and again, it, there are a lot of people involved. Uh, Dr. Cliff story, you know, on campus is involved with this process as well. And, you know, the, the testing has to take place. And of course, how long does it take the results to get back to us? Um, if we have any kids test positive, we have a protocol in place to take care of those kids. Um, it, it's a big responsibility, but, but again, we, we've had many people working on this. And it's a great thing about being, Matt, being in the Southeastern Conference when you consider everybody is working together to create the best protocol. And even, even though everybody's going to probably do something a little bit different, the, the opportunity to bounce things off of each other um, really helps through this process. What can you tell me about what those initial days are going to be like? I'm thinking about it from the standpoint of like if I'm a football player, and, and I come back to campus. Maybe that's – I'm prepared. I come back. I know I've communicated with coaches. We got that all set up. What's it going to be like for me as a football player when I walk through those doors at the SEAL facility that first day? Well, first of all, uh, you know, we're working through protocol. Do we use the locker room or do the kids get dressed in their own place? Right. You know, we're looking through protocols to where they have, you know, three, four sets of practice gear. They, they bring in the old practice gear that needs to be washed while they're wearing the, the wash version. Um, and even the way that we do th th simple things like laundry and, and the way we present that to the kids, it's all important. Um, for now, we, we're probably not going to use the locker room facility. And we're probably going to let our kids um, get dressed at home. And, and hopefully live, you know, a little bit, not, not exclusively, but a little bit of a hermetically sealed type of existence in the beginning and, until, uh, you know, we can get off on the right foot. So it is going to be different. What about, um, I'm curious about the, the level of conditioning and working out kids are going to get to do when we call it voluntary. So if we were to help me define what that means, voluntary workouts. Well, I, I think what it means the most, Matt, is, and you know this because you played, what we're going to do in June is really going to determine how much they can really get after it in July. Mm. So we, we are committed to starting off slowly. We know that these kids haven't been working out really hard for the most part. Uh, we know that many of them haven't even had access to weights um, or, or conditioning type situations. So we're going to start them out very slowly make sure that they get into condition before they, the kids really push themselves. 
they're going to have to kind of distance from coaches and, and that kind of thing too, I guess. Right. I mean, if I'm just yeah. guessing. Yeah, that's correct. You know, um, all communication with coaches really uh, is probably going to continue to be done online, hmm. uh, which is a shame. The, the only people they're going to come in contact with is going to be the strength and conditioning coaches for the most part. Uh, so instruction of any kind is just going to come from strength and conditioning coaches and not from the coaches themselves. Yeah. What, um, what level of certainty – uh, John, was it that this would be voted in, in the way that it was from the leaders in the SEC and the presidents? I mean, I guess what I'm saying is for, for folks like you, an AD, a coach, when they went into that meeting last week, were you not sure? Was it iffy? Or were you pretty sure the presidents were going to vote that through? Yeah, I, I think we all just needed to come to, to an agreement um, mm. in the room. And we have great leadership from the presidents on down. Uh, we have great leadership from the league. Greg, thank you. Um, I, that's one of the real strengths of our league is, uh, do we always agree? Abs absolutely not. But there's respect level in this league. And there's an understanding that we need to do what's best for the league, not necessarily what's best for each individual school. Now, I'm charged with doing what's the most important thing for our individual school. But you get in that room with the other athletic directors with the commissioner, with the president, and you realize it it's bigger than any one school, especially mm -hmm. when you're making important decisions like these. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I know from a fan perspective, there was this sort of great relief, John. It's what I, that was my, you know, perspective on the reaction, this great relief that, oh, so glad that, now, you know, the athletes and the football players at my favorite school are going to get to start doing some stuff again. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and I also think, you know, the 20, Matt, the 21, 20 year old version of yourself needed some structure. Mm. You know, um, no doubt. obviously, you know, I mean, uh, when you go off to, to, to school, you, you kind of not necessarily leave your parents behind, but you, you kind of go off and you become more independent, but you need that daily structure. Um, the, the John Cohen that I knew 30 something years ago would not have done well with not having a structured day in front of me. And, and I probably would have made, you know, really bad decisions because I didn't have that structure. We all crave it. We want it. And even though this is voluntary, I think most of the kids would admit at some point down the road that, that having this voluntary activity is really good for them. Is um, and this may go without saying, are strength and conditioning coaches around the league? Are they talking to each other? Are they? I mean, I wouldn't think that they're in a a bubble just coming up with their own stuff. I imagine those guys are probably communicating with each other too to figure out hey, what's the best way to approach this when I can't actually, you know, pat the player on the back or I've got to work run this workout from the other side of the room. Yeah, man. How about squatting? I mean, you, you, I mean, we, we all grew up squatting, right? And right. You can't really push up significant weight or any kind of weight without a spotter. How do you do that without a spotter? So what exercise do you substitute in for the squat? I mean, that's just one example. And I'm sure there, there are many, many others. Our, our strength and conditioning coaches are going to be ready. And I think you're right. I think it's a collaborative effort. I think they probably got a lot of ideas from a lot, several other coaches around the country. Sure. I read today um, the story from Iowa State where the AD there 
um, they made the decision. They're going to just go, hey, look, our, our capacity is 60,000, but we're going to sell 30,000 tickets. They're going to be season tickets. If you have one, you can come in the stadium. We're not selling individual game tickets. And I, I don't know, maybe I missed it, but they seem to me to maybe be the first one to just jump out there and throw down the, this is how we're going to do it. Um, is that something, I know our, our fans would love to hear, is that something that is maybe being discussed at State and at other schools, and have you heard of that idea? Yeah, we just had a 90-minute meeting this morning discussing that very subject, um, and Iowa State did come up. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not here to judge Iowa State, but here's what I do know. We have a couple of months, two months plus, to be able to make those decisions, and in order to make the most informed, the best decision for our fan base, we're going to we're going to wait a little bit. Uh, we're going to see what happens. I, I'm an optimist. I think I believe in American ingenuity, and I think things are going to be different two months from now. So I don't want to throw any numbers out there just yet. Uh, but again, my optimist, optimism is, is going to get the better of me, and I, I think it's going to be better than what most of us imagine right now. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious, John, and I think our fan base is too, for you, in the position you're in, you're leading this athletics department. And so, you know, there's a university side over here that all of that feedback affects your decision and your thinking. Then you've got right down to the coaches and the athletes themselves, the individual stuff over here, and you, you're in the middle of making this decision. Um, and so the, the actual um, putting together of a plan that everybody will be comfortable going forward with come September, hopefully September. Um, is that, has it been something that you lose sleep over? Has it been this tremendous burden? Um, do we need to put John Cohen on a prayer list or are, <laughs> or is it something that you're taking to this challenge sort of thing? <laughs> no, I, I, it's never sprint. When you're young, you think it's a sprint, but as you get older and older and older, you, you realize, you know, that it's a long long race and you know we we want to be stronger at the end of that race than we are at the beginning of that race and i, I kind of look at this that way we're preparing for all eventualities um we're, we're looking forward to having our fans in our facilities but again we have to make the best decisions we can for mississippi state and that's what i take a lot of pride in matt i i just i'm not making the best decisions for john cohen i'm not going to make the best decisions um for my family, I, I'm going to make the best decisions for student athletes, for our fans, for Mississippi State University. And I'm, I re feel really fortunate. We have one of the great presidents, if not the best president in the country, and Mark Keenum. And Dr. Keenum feels the same way. He, he's going to make the decisions with, with our students uh, and our faculty and all of our staff in, in their best interest. It's not going to be perfect, Matt. In no shape, form, or fashion, it's not going to be perfect, and not everybody's going to like what we're going to have to do, but we got to get through this and we got to have the best plan possible. We have some really smart people working on it. All right. That's John Cohen. I talked to him yesterday on zoom. I hope you enjoy There's a lot of information in there. Um, a lot of that is what you're hearing at all 14 sec schools and others around the country who are getting this going different protocols. Let me give you a heads up, something you might want to read through. Um, the, um, the article is on the Columbus Dispatch. It's written by Ben Portnoy. He is the Mississippi State beat writer. If you want to go read it. But he outlines what the SEC recommended 
as, as far as measures for each school to follow to ensure that student athletes are safe when they return. It includes stuff like this, a three-stage screening process, screening before they get on campus, within 72 hours of entering a facility on campus, and on a daily basis once they get back and get going. Uh, testing of symptomatic team members, obviously. That could be any team member, not just players. Immediate isolation of team members who are under the uh, suspicion or diagnosed with coronavirus. A transition period that allows student-athletes to gradually adapt to full training and sport activity following a period of inactivity. So that's the month of June, Okay. That suggestion right there from the SEC as a conference to each school was, hey, let's vote on this thing because you're not going to be able to bring them in there on June and just pop them into the weight room and go to full-on four or five hours a day of lifting, running, lifting, running. <laughs> you can't do it. A transition period. So it's like John said, voluntary in the month of June is to get back up to speed so that you can really officially start training in July, ready to practice by the time August gets here, and then ready to play in September. We'll see what you think. Still a ways to go here on this hump day with you in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. All right, back on the show in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. Hometown Heroes, that's your local Farm Bureau insurance agent throughout the state of Mississippi in all 82 counties. We also stay connected to you here on the show because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. Over here on the text line, Country pleasing text line, country pleasing sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the southeast. Let's see, it's 885 ESPN. Text away. Still got a ways to go here in hour number two. Love hearing from you. 885 ESPN. Southern Comfort Kevin said, Why are you referring to young men as kids? <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those colloquial things. Is that how you say that? Um so what we lovingly refer to them that way. And I think as we get older, I have a tendency to do that. You know, they're college age kids <laughs> and yeah, you're right. They are young men and young women. Um, if we're going to go down that road though, Southern comfort, Kevin, I might even just go, well, why even say young? You know, if I, if there's a problem with me calling them kids, then let's just call them, Men and women. Why do I got to call them young men and women? Right? Like, what's, what's it going to be? Because if we're going to say young men and young women, I could say, well, that's kids. The older I get, the more like kids they seem, certainly. 
and I, you know, whether they are or not, but yeah, you know, 18 years old, old enough to fight in the war, old enough to vote. Tim Wilson, the comedian said old enough to smoke, right? Aren't they? <laughs> and of course you get up to 21, you're old enough to drink. Maybe that's it. Maybe we just use the alcohol threshold legally, Kevin, as that, right? As the majority of your teams are under 21, therefore they're kids. Is that right? But legal adults, according to the law, is 18, right? Yeah, so young men and young women. I don't know. There's no negative connotation for calling them kids whatsoever. Um, but a lot of people think that way, and, and I understand this. Some people just more sensitive to words and meaning than others. And I don't know that there's ever a whole lot of right or wrong in it. I had a few years ago... A friend of mine, very close friend of mine, who I love very much, very dear friend of mine. We don't always see eye to eye on stuff. But he gave me what for, for referring to someone on TV as a girl. Yeah. And this was definitely a, a woman, a, I would say certainly a young woman, but, you know, as a woman. And, and she was an actress in this particular commercial on uh, the SEC network. And I said, girl. And during the course of our conversation, he told me that it was sort of subconsciously misogynistic to have referred to her as a girl and not a woman. And I thought, well, but the thing is, my intention was not only good and not in, in a negative way, but I didn't refer to this girl in a negative way at all. <laughs> so my heart was in the right place. I just learned through stuff like that, though, that some people, I don't fault them. Some people are much more sensitive to words and meanings and monikers and stuff than others. I, I'm not very sensitive to it. Others are. We can just, I can accept it and move on and they'll just have to also. Uh, Tyler said, John Cohen could do a mean Peyton Manning impression. Sounds just like him. Yeah, especially on the Zoom call when it kind of slows it down a little bit and lowers our voices for us. I don't know. You know, sometimes this digital stuff does that. But I appreciate your text. Thank you. Get them in. 885-ESPN. we got the phone line open if you want to call, too, so hit me up. All right. Uh, NFL. Football in America is a special game. A unique game. Played nowhere else on earth. It is a rare game. The men who play it make it so. Come on! Ba -ba. Let's see. Uh, Browns offensive lineman J.C. Treader. He is the NFL Players Association president. He is pumping the brakes on that report that I gave you yesterday about the possibility of the NFL holding June mini-camps throughout the league. That report was on Yahoo. I gave you some of the details yesterday. It was reported by Charles Robinson. And old J.C. Treader, the center for the Browns, like I said, NFL Players Association president, he, he got his knife out and slashed it up, the report. He tweeted, first of all, our union has not agreed to any reopening plan. Any reports about coming back to work are hypothetical. You will hear from the NFLPA 
when there are new developments. Then he replied to a Charles Robinson tweet from Yahoo. Charles Robinson has a blue check. He is a verified bona fide reporter on Twitter. The Charles Robinson tweet said, Sources, NFL head coaches could return to teams' facilities as early as next week with full squad minicamps potentially on the docket for mid to late June. J.C. Treader responded to that, replied to that on Twitter with this. There is a hard stop date for our off-season program on June the 26th. Your source, not knowing that, and saying June 27th is an option is an option to return should know should show everyone that this source info is questionable. I can't read. But you get the point. He's basically saying, look, there's a hard stop date on our offseason program of the 26th. You're posting an article. Well, you got a source who's saying that we could return on the 27th. That ought to show you right there that whoever your source is ain't much of a source. It's a heck of a note how that plays out that as prominent a reporter as Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports, he's broken huge stories. I mean, the Miami recruiting scandal, all that stuff. He's big time. Like you say, verified on Twitter, hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter and all this. And doggone, man. The NFL Players Association president just taking out a knife and slicing up that report from yesterday. Now, what does it mean? He's not saying, y'all, that, oh, the Players Association, we're going to do what baseball is doing. We're not playing. That's not what he's saying. He's saying some of the details in this stuff about mini camps happening in June or late June right now is way hypothetical because they have this calendar in place that they haven't adjusted yet. And here we are, it's not even June yet. It sounds more likely that if they were going to have mini camps, it might be sooner, earlier in June, not later, as the report says. You know, so all that stuff is meaningful. But I also think at the same time, this kind of thing is meaningful. Stephen Ross, he is the Miami Dolphins owner. Owners of NFL teams are in constant communication with each other and with GMs and presidents and, of course, the NFL and its commissioner. And he goes on record on CNBC as saying there for sure will be a season. I think there definitely will be a football season this year. The real question is, will there be fans in the stadiums? I think right now today we're planning on having fans in the stadiums. But I think the NFL is looking at and is very flexible so that we will be able to start on time and really, you know, bring that entertainment that's really so needed to all of us in this country. There's more. Determined to have a season. I think there's one thing that we, you know, we really miss is our sports. And I don't think a lot of people realize it until they no longer have it. Um, but certainly the NFL, uh, I think, will be ready to go. Um, and I think we're all looking forward to it. I know I am. Uh, we've done a lot of things down in Miami here, and uh, we're prepared uh, either way. Um, and hopefully there'll be uh, fans in the stadiums. We will have a season, he says. The question is fans in the stands or not. You know, and his team, the Dolphins, with that new 
kind of newly renovated stadium there in Miami, were the first to put something out there that was like a, a really early plan for having social distancing in the stadium should we come back and play football. They were the really the first one to put that out there. And, um, you know, maybe there is some bias in an owner, you know, so the bottom line is certainly going to be affected in an owner saying, oh, we're, yeah, we're definitely going to play. Maybe, you know, maybe, again, there's some bias in that. But I think with all the conversations they're involved in, you're not going to hear that if there's not some truth behind it. They're going to do it. You know that. I mean, they're going to play. The NFL being a professional league is much different than, uh, you know, what we're seeing in, in college and the things they're having to work through in college. So it'll happen. It's just a matter of when. It's not a matter of if. It's just a matter of when. You know, and I don't really think, I, I don't know about you as a fan. I'm this way. I just don't care that much about the preseason. It's great every year. It gives you a little something to do, something to pay attention to. It's just one more way that the NFL sells tickets. They make money off of They're making revenue off ticket revenue for preseason games, certainly off TV stuff for preseason games. That's why they do it. They make money off of it. But for me and you as a fan, we don't really care, do we? I mean, it's great to watch a preseason game or two, watch some kid from college try to make a team. But if it's not there, you don't really care. And I don't know if you're going to have preseason stuff like that. You know, if they do, it's going to be more or less just like glorified inter-squad or not inter-squad, but scrimmages. Because they certainly are not going to put fans in the stands for preseason games because it's not necessary. Yeah, I could be wrong, but that's the way it looks right now. And I don't think that's really a huge impact. But it's just amazing to me how forward-thinking, positive the NFL is, the NBA is, and how just out-to-lunch baseball is. Back on the show. I got a question for Beaver. The man, the myth, the legend. Hey, Beaver. Did you happen to see did, did you happen to see that text that I pulled you into the other night with uh Jake and with Chris on it? Yeah. What'd you think about that idea? I think that's an awesome idea. Okay. You think it's an awesome idea, and I do too. And I think the Braves, the Mississippi Braves, ought to do it. What do you think about that part of the idea? I think that's an awesome idea, as long as, as long as we get to do it. <laughs> right. We want to be in on this because it's our idea, right? Yeah. Okay. If you're listening, you perk up here. And I don't know how to make this happen. I guarantee you there's somebody out there, though, who has the kind of money they would throw at something like this just for fun. This is what I, I sent a text to Beaver, to Chris, to Jake, see what they thought about it. The Minnesota Twins double A team. They are the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. That ain't far from here, Pensacola, Florida. The Blue Wahoos. We know all about them, right? Don't they play in the Braves League? Anyway. They have listed their stadium on Airbnb. You're like, what do you mean by that? Okay, they're not, you know, 
They're they're just renting it out for fun. So there's nobody else going to be there. The story said shutdowns caused by the coronavirus pandemic have caused businesses across the country to get creative in order to remain in the black. Count minor league baseball teams among them. The Pensacola Blue Wahoos listed their home (laughs) on Airbnb. Those who pay $1,500 per night. I'm honestly a little surprised it's not more than that. You pay $1,500 per night. You can spend the night at the ballpark. You get access to the field, batting cage, and clubhouse. The bedroom has 10 beds and three bathrooms in it. And if guests want to, they can play on the field. Bats, balls, helmets, all that included in the deal. The Wahoos will have a stadium representative on site at all times to answer questions and ensure rules are followed. How about that? Minor league teams devoid of revenue. Gone. And then here's what I like at the end of this article, what it says. It would not be surprising to see other teams follow the Blue Wahoos lead, listing their stadiums on Airbnb as a way to create a little bit of income. Look, man, 1500 bucks a night for people to come in there, sleep, eat, hang out, take some BP, take a few ground balls out there at shortstop in your stadium. And these are nice stadiums. <laughs> and But I have questions, first of all. You know, the thing to do is to get some buddies together. There's 10 beds in the bedroom. But that leads me to my next question. What is a bedroom doing in a ballpark? Is that this my same question. Do you think that they just yeah. created one? That, it's odd. Yes. They had to have, right? They had to just you know, found a room and said, let's put some beds in it. <laughs> but it says the bedroom contains 10 beds and three bathrooms. The only thing I could think, Beaver, is if like... Do these stadiums have these built-in living spaces in case coaches or players want to spend the night or something? You know, heck, man, I don't know. Like, for instance, I mean, this is a legit question. I think Beaver. What if it's a situation where these parks have living areas or living quarters in the stadium for, let's say, this major league player? who is going through a rehab stint, he's only going to be in Pearl for, I don't know, a week before they ship him off to AAA or right back up to Atlanta. He's on a rehab deal. He doesn't want to come in here and rent an apartment or live in a hotel where he's got to run into people. And so they have a living space for people like that. He just lives at the stadium until he's done his week on assignment rehab in Mississippi and then out of here. Doesn't that make sense? Yeah. That'd be that'd be a sweet place to to own for a week. Oh, I know, but here's a Beaver, look, if you and I and Chris and Jake just pitch in. I mean it's fifteen hundred bucks, but actually Chris and I were talking about this earlier because Chris brought this up. Okay. And 
See, this is where we run into problems because I talked about the price. I said, yeah, 1500 split between four of us. That's not too bad at all. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Chris Brooks, a cheapskate Chris Brooks, he then told me, oh, well, no, I mean, we, we'd have to get it sponsored. Really? So he's not going to fork out 500 bucks? Nope. It'd be even less than that, though. Well, let's see. Well, like we get three f- something. Okay, if we we get five people, we got to have a fifth to make it three hundred bucks, right? Yeah. So who would the fifth be? Matt, Beaver, Jake, Chris, and one more. Bo, would Bo do it? I mean, I don't know. I'm just trying to think who else. You get five folks at three hundred bucks a pop. Go spend the night in a ballpark. You kidding me? And take BP. Just play, like, you know, like when you were a kid, you used to have a lock-in at church. When you were in the youth group, you used to have lock-ins. Anybody ever have lock-ins? We'd have a lock-in every now and then. Because we had a gym at the church that I grew up at. And we have a lock-in for the youth. Of the, we'd lock us in, turn the lights on, and we'd play basketball all night long. No sleep, none. Basketball all night. Be zombies by the next morning. Lock-in. And this, that's what this could be. I mean, fifteen hundred bucks to go spend the night at the Braves ballpark and do what? Play ball all night. Turn the lights on. <laughs> hey, what are they doing over at the Braves park? The lights are on. I don't know. That's those guys from the radio station. They rented it for a night. And they're over there hooting and hollering, <laughs> throwing their arms out. I'd do it in a heartbeat. Anybody listening? From the Mississippi Braves organization. Maybe you don't want to fool with it. But look. Your Wahoos are doing it. In fact. If you don't do it. Let me just. I'm going to say this. Okay. I'm putting it out there. I am doing this. Somewhere with somebody. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. I'm going in with some people. And we're going to do this. If I don't hear pretty soon, within a week or so, that they're going to do it for the Mississippi Braves or for the Shuckers down in Biloxi, if neither of those do if I don't hear something in a week or so, I am absolutely reserving a $1,500 night at the Blue Wahoos Park in Pensacola, and then I'm going to find people to go in with me. Like my dad, who, he didn't live too far from Pensacola. My dad, uh, my buddies down in that area, uh, maybe Paul Mooney, my old roommate, who's a, a baseball nerd, and now he's a baseball dad. That would be three. And I just need a couple more maybe to go in. We go 300 bucks each. Yeah, we're going to do it. That's it. That's all there is to it. I'm going to film it, and I'm going to, uh, I'm to bring the details back here on the show. It's just a matter of time. In fact, I may call this number this afternoon to see what kind of time frame we're looking at here, what the rules are. Kevin on Twitter says that Mississippi State's already doing that. It's called the left field lofts. But you don't get the field access, and it's probably more than $1,500 a night. <laughs> you reckon it's more than $1,500 a night? Fifteen grand, I mean $1,500 a night, Kevin? No. Hey, look now. I, I'm not telling Mississippi State what to do. But if I heard this afternoon... That for $1,500 for one night, I could stay in a loft 
and have access to the field at Duty Noble to take BP and have a little fun, hitting batting cage and just to have the whole experience. I'd be on the phone with four other buddies right now going ahead and reserving it. I'd do it. How many people would do that right now? See, you know, it's I don't know which way to go on it. And I mean, generally you go, well, it's a tough time. It's a pandemic. We're all hunkering down. The thing is, though, all these stimulus checks have been showing up in everybody's bank accounts. You've got extra money. You're just looking for something to spend it on. <laughs> you can't fool me. Beaver, uh, as we exit the show here, I must tell you, um, the Wyatts are about to make a purchase that will hit home with you. Oh, we are buying a new television. Yeah, we we what are you going for. Well, I don't really know what to do. I ought to ask you for some advice. Um, we're going to put it in our main living room. We own one smart TV, but it's in this office that I'm in. And so it's going downstairs. We're going to watch it. What'd you do? Like Samsung or some Sony, some brand name? Yeah, I went Samsung. Okay. Uh, I would suggest nothing under 75 inches. <laughs> We'd have to clear out one wall just to have a place to put it <laughs> if we did that. Do it. Just, hey, YOLO, right? <laughs> the one thing you didn't expect to hear from me today on the radio was me to proclaim YOLO on 50,000 watts. Stick around. See y'all tomorrow.